0: Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena. Acknowledge me and acknowledge this man right here, Scott Chu.
1: That was beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Open like that every time.
0: Hey, you know, I, I was watching uh, War Games last night, so I'm, I'm into the, the wrestling thing right now. So uh, that's Roman Reigns' uh, little quip there. So,
1: Acknowledge me. That's beautiful. So, what's going on, Scott? You know, not a lot. Just going to the the last of the Thanksgivings. I hope everyone had a had a good Thanksgiving, and uh, got you know I got to do a podcast last week as well. I was on uh, on with our friends in the deep,
0: so mm-hmm. that was pretty
1: fun. But other than that, you know, just kind of poking around baseball stuff and doing regular life things, which is kind of mm-hmm. boring. But hey, at least I get this respite from that.
0: There you go. <laughs> did, did did I see correctly? Did you get a some new ink?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got a little dinosaur tattoo now on my arm. My uh, my wife just started doing fine line tattoos. So nice. she needed a canvas, and uh, I provided a forearm to be that canvas.
0: So every week we could expect to see something new on you as, as she kind of, you know, uses you as a billboard?
1: Uh, you know, maybe not every week, but several times, <laughs> several times.
0: <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff. So uh, glad to be with you just uh, as a reference point. We're recording this on Sunday, November 27th, uh, the end of Thanksgiving weekend as we head into the uh, winter and holiday season. So uh, we're going to talk second base and uh, Scott, we were talking right before the show when I actually took a look at the ADPs and the availability of of second baseman, I was shocked at the the scarcity. I mean, we, we talked third base scarcity, but second base might be a little worse.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this sort of continues a trend. We've heard about third base scarcity before, but that was because it was so top heavy, right? You don't even have that with second base. It gets very muddled very quickly, right? Even just looking at last season, how, how they finished, it was really Jose Altuve, Marcus Semyon, Tommy Edmond, Andre Jimenez, and then like everybody else, Brandon Drury, but he kind of fell off at the end. Glaber Torres, who was good, not great. Jeff McNeil, who got, almost all of his value from batting average right he only provided positive value in batting average and a little bit in runs scored he was a negative everywhere else Luisa Reyes finished in there Tyro Estrada who missed significant time uh Josh Rojas who is not that good i mean it got really ugly really fast like we talk about Trevor Story's bad season he was still the 12th best second baseman last year
0: <laughs> yeah yeah go figure yeah it's uh. it's
1: ugly Ugly, ugly. Jazz Chisholm was 17th. He had 241 plate appearances. He finished Mm. 17th among second basemen.
0: All right. Well, we're going to dive into uh, the second base position. But before we do, I just want to talk. A couple of things have happened since our last podcast there, Scott. Phillies outfielder Bryce Harper uh, underwent Tommy John surgery. I think on our last episode, I think we referenced that he was going to have some elbow surgery, but uh, weren't sure if it would eventually turn into Tommy John, I guess when they opened them up, they uh, uh, realized that they needed to do Tommy John surgery. So prognosis is for uh, Harper to be returning as a designated hitter by the all-star break and won't play the field probably towards the end of the regular season. So that's a big hit.
1: Yeah. Now he could come back a little bit earlier than that, but I'll tell you, it kills some of the early mocks I've done because I was all over Harper hoping he'd only miss, you know, might miss some time in, in April, but this really impacts his value in a significant way. He's going to be really hard to value in drafts. And it's going to depend a lot on, you know, especially these early drafts because the ADPs we're looking at are NFBC and they're generally for draft champions, right? So there's no IL in that format, but there's also a giant bench. I'm really interested to see where his sort of where he gets drafted in our you know standard 12 teamers where mm-hmm. you have a bit of an IL, right. Uh, or where you have, you know, you have some flexibility on that end and we're not going to see ADPs for that for quite some time.
0: Right. So what does this mean? Any, uh, I mean, so you got, In the outfield for the Phillies, obviously uh, Castellanos, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. Maybe we see a little bit more of uh, Nick Maton and uh, Brandon Marsh, but uh, Matt Vierling could also get some some uh, playing time as well. Uh, Does it really move the needle with these guys when it comes to fantasy? Or uh, I mean, it's just you're not going to replace a guy like Bryce Harper, right?
1: Obviously not. No, I think the one you know. You know, you're you not really changing what you think about Kyle Schwarber. Uh, this just gives him yet another year where he can be outfield eligible, right? We can mm-hmm. definitely expect him to be outfield eligible in 2024 now, uh, which, which is great. Nick Castellanos, I mean, his value is really just tied to if he still stinks, right? He had a really, really rough regular season, picked it up in the playoffs a bit, yep. but it was really rough. I mean, that, that's a whole different analysis. It's It's independent of Harper. You know, maybe Brandon Marsh, he's left-handed. He He's a good defensive outfielder. Uh, they got him in a trade from the Angels last year. This maybe gives him a clearer path to playing time, but I think if healthy, they wanted him to play anyway. Right. So this doesn't really change a lot, except for I think honestly the biggest impact right now is that for Dynasty Leagues, you can expect that Kyle Schwarber will maintain outfield eligibility a bit longer. Though actually... Nick Castellanos might've been the one who had more of a threat to DH because they seem to like Schwarber in the field more than Castellanos, which tells you the rough state of this Phillies outfield in Mm. terms of defense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on there. Uh, Keeping my eye on Matt Vierling. You know, not drafting or anything, but keep him on your, your watch list, I guess. Uh, has some moderate power, showed a little bit of speed in the minor leagues, had uh, seven stolen bases in 117 games for the Phils last season. But uh, again, with you, I kind of agree. Uh, not much, you know, moves the needle here in terms of, of fantasy uh, regarding the Bryce Harper injury when it comes to uh, his potential uh replacements but um hunter renfro was uh, traded to the angels where he'll probably slide in as the team's right fielder so uh looking at his stats over uh, the past couple of years i always knew uh, that he was a, a really good powerhead at 30 plus home run power but he's actually picked it up in the batting average area there scott past couple of seasons he batted uh 259 in 2021 last season he batted 255 hit 31 homers in 21 29 homers and 22 good hitters park right angels playing a, a nice hitters park um so what do you think about the move and at this stage can we drop uh joe adele is, is the joe adele uh era over
1: i mean joe adele i mean for some reason you're still rostering yes Right. Like several players seem to have jumped over him uh, on there. He might find ways to play, but it's not going to be easy. You can, you know, he's going to just be a name that you can keep around in the back of your head. He might, you know, he might end up getting traded somewhere or something like that. But as long as he's an angel right now, the path to outfield playing time just isn't there without injuries. Of course, Mike Trout, Mm -hmm. Taylor Ward both missed significant time with injury last year. So we'll see if he can find a way in, but you know, they've made a couple, they've made a couple little scrappy moves. Uh, the angels have, they, you know, they picked up Gio Urshela. They're getting Anthony Rendon back uh, Hunter Renfro. I, you know, I like this move for them. It gives them another reliable power bat. Uh, mm-hmm. They just haven't had reliable bats to stay healthy. Bes- outside of, you know, Mike Trout, who has not stayed healthy all that well. Shohei Otani, obviously, you know, I like Taylor Ward bouncing back Renfro, I think could, soon be hitting fourth or fifth in this lineup right now roster resource has him at sixth behind ward and Rendon. I wouldn't be shocked if they move him up because when the guy gets hot and he can absolutely rake, he's also interestingly the yet another first round pick they've added to this team, right? They've got, they've got a bunch of first round picks, but most of them aren't theirs, (laughs) but, Mm. uh, you know, they do, uh, they also have Mickey Moniak, who uh who they picked up last year in that trade for Brandon Marsh. So, you know Renfro comes in, he's another right-handed bat. They already had a lot of those. I'm not like it doesn't really change his value though because like you mentioned, he is a he's a big power bat who has okay batting average and that's a big right. deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no speed. The counting numbers were way down from his, you know, his his big year in Boston. But, you know, I'm not really, I'm mostly chalking that up to just, you know, he did miss about 30 games last year uh, with, you know, just ailments and things like that. So the plate discipline is surprisingly good for a hitter with this profile. I mean, he's a slugger, but he walks about, you know, a little more than average. He strikes out much better than average, only about 23% of the time now. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan. This really, this doesn't really change anything though, because again, he's going to continue to hit somewhere behind the three, four spot in a, in a lineup that is top heavy.
0: Right. All right. Um, one last piece of news and it's really uh, not nothing earth shattering there, Scott, but uh, Carlos Santana signed a one-year deal with the pirates. I, I think it's more of a, you know, it, it's a good real life signing. I think for the pirates that they get a, uh, a veteran presence in the clubhouse to help some of their young players out. But I think the time for his uh, fantasy contributions is, is, is passed.
1: You know, he he really turned it on in, in the second half after he went to Seattle and, uh, you know, did he did some things right. He hit for power. Why this team wanted a 36 year old uh, DH first baseman is beyond me. This team continues to make, you know, perplexing sort of signings, but they've actually done a couple things this winter in terms of not trades. Uh, they did make one trade. You know, they got G-Man Choi from the Rays, who also plays first base. But mm. they they did some weird waiver stuff, right? They picked up Luin Diaz, who's a, a left-handed first baseman. He was with the Marlins. He's got big power. I think they're interested in what they can see with him from your from your Yankees. Miguel Andahar ended yeah. up on this Pirates team. Uh, he, you know, he's not quite 28 years old, but he, it's been several years since he's been relevant. This is not going to be a good team. But really, this team seems to be doing the old like throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Carlos Santana does give them. At least one veteran on this team. He's the only person projected uh, to be older than tw- to be twenty eight years old or older, except for G Choi and then of course Carlos Santana. They're the only two guys on the hitting side of this projected twenty five man roster to be older than twenty eight. So at least they're doing something, mm. right? They're they're yep. finding some. They're trying to find something. This team is still several years away. The the you know the rotation is really rough. Right. Like I think most people would struggle to name more than maybe two or three guys in it. Ronzi Contreras, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, and then Johan Oviedo, Bryce Wilson. Uh, and then, you know, they might have some guys in the minors that I'm not thinking of because I don't follow. I mean, yeah, they've got Luis Ortiz, I guess. I don't know who really that is. I mean, just like a bunch of a bunch of not much. But mm. oh, I'm sorry, Luis Ortiz is actually a, a decent prospect, but Mike Burroughs is not. Uh <laughs> Cody Bolton is not. They got a lot of sort of also rands but you know it's interesting in that Santana will play this is an NL only sort of thing but you never know this team has a lot of big you know guys who kind of swing the bat who can hit for some power I'm more interested to see what Cabrian Hayes does I didn't even rank him in my top 200 hitters uh that I did recently simply because I just was not that excited about what he showed in 2022 but I guess he could be better in 2023 uh you know but yeah Jack Swinski you know, like you yeah. said, he Cruz is the guy. Uh,
0: big finish. He's why you're watching this team. Last, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: but other than that, they they've yeah, got. They also issues. have
0: a really good closer, David Bednar. Just look at yeah, the positives he here. Because-
1: Missing the end of last season, but he he's something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But as far as Santana himself, I think maybe it's just to have a veteran presence on this team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I won't be shocked if he provides fantasy utility. From time to time, I think both he and G. Manchoy could be guys that st- you might start for a week or two because they get Extreme good matchups coming up. Or, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Swinski, same thing, super free swinger, but could provide some value. Even Rodolfo Castro on this team provided some value at times. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. This team, this team will be one that we talk about because some guys are going to get chances to hit third, fourth, fifth that would not make other rosters. And that volume alone, I mean, Santana's going to play every day. That volume alone gives him some sort of fantasy value, just like not very much.
0: Right, right. Um, Okay. Like I said, basically more, in my opinion, more of a – a veteran presence because i remember when he was with the phillies right didn't he like call out a bunch of players who he felt weren't like putting their uh you know giving it their all and were busy playing video games instead of you know prepping for for, for games whatever so uh but that's a good analysis on your part of uh the pirates and it just uh, unfortunately just seems like it's been several years since uh they've been trying to rebuild so really good franchise good You know, great ballpark. I'd love to visit it. So hopefully better days for the Pirates. Oh, uh, before we move on, Scott, just want to give a quick Aaron Judge update. Judge supposedly met with the San Francisco Giants this week. Giants uh, pulling out all the stops. Even got NBA superstar Steph Curry to tell Judge how great it is to play in the Bay Area. They were texting back and forth. Uh, even former longtime Golden State Warrior Chris Mullen got involved. He told the uh, judge, he says, hey, you know, you're breaking Gehrig's home run record. And then uh, they give you the Bronx cheer during the playoffs, man. It's uh, time to go. Well, uh, don't listen to him, Aaron. Please don't. Um, well, the Yanks are serious about re-signing judge. He's had conversations with owner Hal Steinbrenner. And the Yanks have made judge a new offer.
1: I'm going to make him an offer again
0: with you yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a generous one, and uh, for one thing, this Yankee fan hopes it's an offer that keeps him in the Bronx for a long time. Let's get on to second base there, Scott, and uh man, <laughs> the second base position, you know we're missing at one point uh we had trace Stur- Trey Turner who had shortstop and second-base eligibility, right? You brought up in, in the, the notes we were sharing uh, before the show, you brought up Mookie Betts having second-base eligibility. Uh, unfortunately, only played seven games last season at second-base, so uh, outfield-only eligibility in NFBC, Fantrax, and CBS so far. But Yahoo, uh, very liberal, so he'll, he'll be... Yahoo, uh,
1: Yahoo uses that five... Uh, it's 10 appearances or five starts, yeah. which is a little harder stat to get your hands on. But, um, you know, the fan, uh, you know, different auction calculators and things like that do a decent job trying to tell you how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, So if you use like the Fangraph's auction calculator, they talk about starts to qualify at position. For position player, if you put five, you'll get the full list of guys who qualify at second base. I and mean, the biggest thing about second base is just, How, you know, how many of them are eligible at other positions? It's a little different this year. If you're looking at like 20, you know, the, the 20 appearance qualifiers, like in NFBC Fantrax, Yahoo, we have more second base only guys, but -hmm. when you go to like Yahoo or something like that, you're looking at almost everybody qualifies elsewhere, which is really something we saw last year, less of it this year, but yeah, we're not going to talk about Mookie Betts that much. We'll talk about him in outfield, but.
0: In yeah. leagues,
1: in Yahoo leagues where Mookie Betts is available, he actually should move up your board. He is by far the best second baseman available. Agreed. I'd have him at five or six dollars more than any other second baseman, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, otherwise it, it starts, you know, it starts fine, but it just it's gonna feel real average in a hurry.
0: Yeah, yeah. So NFBC, top three guys going. I was a little surprised to see Marcus Simeon, number one, followed by Ozzy Albies and Jose Altuve. Uh, in my opinion, I'm thinking Altuve has the highest floor from among these these three. Uh, he stole some bases again last season, had 18 stolen bases. The power is still there, had 28 home runs and the batting average uh, of 300. You know, basically, he has the highest floor, I believe, of, of these top three guys, like I mentioned, Simeon and Albies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Altuve did finish as the number one first baseman last year by, you know, a, a safe margin, probably over a dollar, depending on exactly what your format was. I, I think a lot of people are, are hoping that, you know, Marcus Simeon functionally lost a month, month and a half at the beginning of the season. He was putrid, right? Mm. He stole some bags, but otherwise, he was just awful. So, but but after that point, he was the best second baseman uh, in fantasy pretty consistently for the rest of the year. I think there's some hope that he doesn't lose that time and, and he puts up a little better numbers. The Rangers especially are... at
0: home, Scott. Scott, the guy yeah. batted he batted two ten at home uh, yep. versus two eighty five on the road.
1: Yeah. So Texas has become a pitching friendly ballpark, uh, since they've made those upgrades to it in the last few years, but you know, I don't, I don't really begrudge anyone for taking one over the other, uh, particularly because both are going to be second base only in most formats, but you know, he, they're, they're both, I mean, they're all good. I'm not going to sit here and like really split hairs here. I'm probably taking Al 2 but I admit <laughs> that it's very close. Albie's being drafted, uh, you know, the ADP less than one pick after Jose Altuve, that's surprising to me if only because Albies was not that good when he did play last year, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. was sort of the thing is that he was not very good before he went down for injury. The injury almost gave Atlanta a reason to look elsewhere because he was a dud for them to start. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it had to do with some kind of injury and, and things like that. But, um, you know, he's, he's almost, it's weird to call it, but it's a risky play. And I'm one of the reasons, in fact, the only reason I think he's going so early is because of the the lack of depth here at second base. Mm-hmm. Same for the guy going right after him in Trevor Story.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Or I'm sorry, uh, Jess Chisholm. And then Trevor. yeah, Story. yeah
0: Jess. Yes. Also, Albie's uh, injury obviously got us a chance to see Vaughn Grissom, who uh, played pretty well. We spoke about him uh, I think two episodes ago. Uh, when we talked about second year players, but, uh, are you confident in a bit of a uh, bounce back for Albies or, you know, do you think that maybe, you know, we've seen the best of him and he's kind of plateaued and, um, you know, what we've seen is what we're going to get because the batting average has really come down over the past couple of seasons.
1: I'd say the most telling thing. And the thing that has me surprised is that if you look at the steamer projections, they put Alzi Albies as the 10th second baseman. Hmm. Right. So they are not super confident. They're, you know, they're showing like uh twenty, you know, steamers got twenty one home runs, thirteen stolen bases, and a two sixty average. Like mm-hmm. that's not bad, but that's Glaber Torres. Right? right? Like that's uh, yeah. that, that I mean that that's just a different tier of player than I think what people are drafting it, likely because they're remembering that in twenty twenty one the guy hit thirty home runs and stole twenty bases. Yeah. Right. That's the version of Albies you think is real. Right, I wonder if that's like the peak season, and he goes back to being that 2018, 2019 guy, uh, which is a good batting average, 25 home runs, 15 steals kind of thing. But if you think that that player's still in there, which again he was not last year, hmm. right? I mean, last year we saw him for 64 games, eight home runs, three stolen bases. The plate discipline was good; only hit 247, a sub 300 OBP. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot. There's a lot of risk here with limited upside so i i won't be drafting out ozzy albies where he's currently going but that Mm. max pick we see right now which is like 70 that seems more than reasonable
0: right uh next player uh, is the fourth second baseman coming off the board in nfpc drafts jazz chisholm who you uh referenced earlier in the show uh 51 adp 2867 min max missed some time due to injury, but was hitting a ton of home runs. It was on pace to hit uh, about 35 home runs. Had a 282 ISO uh, league average. By the way, is 152. Uh, also had a 139 WRC plus. Steamer projects that he'll hit 28 home runs, 26 stolen bases. Strikeouts are an, an issue and continued to be. Uh, he was striking out a little over 27 percent of the time uh, last season.
1: Yeah. So the first thing is he didn't miss a couple games. He missed a hundred games. Yeah. Right. He only played 60 games last year yep. and that that's really where all of the question marks come in. Jazz Chisholm, he can hit, right. He can run, he can do all that stuff, but he can't always play. Right. That's, and that's really, that's really the issue there. Um, I was really hoping to see that, like, you know, I, I look at the rolling charts whenever I see a guy with a, a young player with a high strikeout rate, I go to look at those rolling charts. I go to see what kind of peaks and valleys and actually towards the end, he was striking out a ton, right? So there was, there was a time last season when he wasn't striking out that much. And it looked really, really good. Of course, as he gets closer to finally going out for the rest of the year, that strikeout rate was hovering around 40% over 15, you know, a 15 game rolling average. That's pretty scary. So there's some definite batting average risk there, but every time the guy gets on base, they're probably going to try to send him. Uh, He's, you know, obviously, a lot of power, a lot of speed. Hit tool is the question mark. The stats will be a bit of a question mark, as the Marlins are not a great team, so the counting stats could suffer here and there. But uh, there's certainly a chance for him if he play. If you told me he was going to play 150 games, I w- I don't think it'd be that outrageous to call for a 30 30 season. That's the upside you're playing for, mm-hmm. right? And he'll hit like 250, which is fine, right? Right. right. Uh, there's that kind of talent there. It's just a matter, I mean, the injury risk is massive at a position that is bereft of talent. The replacement level is horrible, mm. right? So I think if you draft Jazz Chisholm Jr., which you can, you, you absolutely can, the big question is going to be, um, who's your other second baseman, right? Who's the other guy you're going to plug into second base when he misses 30 games, right? Because if you don't have the answer to that question, you're putting a lot of risk on your team.
0: Hmm. Yeah, good point. Um, Let's move on to Trevor Story, who uh you, you mentioned real briefly a couple of seconds ago. Very tough first season with the Red Sox, uh, and that's obviously going to fuel the narrative that Rockies hitters don't produce outside of Coors Field. But you look at his career O-swing rate, that's the percentage of pitches that he swings at outside of the strike zone, had a 37% O-swing rate. League average, by the way, is 326 Had a 31% K rate. You know, plate discipline was obviously an issue, but after one, he got off to such a a tough start. Like, was he pressing? Strikeouts had been a big issue for him early in his career, but he kind of got them under control. Uh, Still was on pace for about a 25 homer, 20 stolen base season, only played uh, 94 games. And I don't know if you take this into consideration, moved from being a shortstop from his time with the Rockies to being a second baseman with the Red Sox from a personal point of view from from watching ball uh you know that really affected Glaber where uh he was a natural second baseman and then was asked to play short and supposedly that really affected the rest of his play so you got to wonder if maybe that was part of it as well
1: i mean yeah it could very well be the human element is always a sort of difficult one to pick up on i will yeah. say what one thing we saw from Trevor's story were these really weird peaks and valleys, right? So he would go through. I mean, he had his first month of the season truly abysmal, right? 68 WRC plus is probably all you need to know. His OBP was 297. His slugging was 299. When you see an OBP and slugging about the same, it means all of that slugging is coming from singles, right? Singles mm-hmm. and walks. That's all it is, right? There was no absolutely no power to his game. And then in May he gets a bunch of power the second half of May, right? He he goes through this crazy peak. It was around so have the a three home game,
0: right? That three yeah. homer game. Yeah, yep. that, like, So those it's around weeks, the same days? time as
1: yeah. yeah, it's around the same time that we saw Marcus Semien going off because I remember having these podcasts talking about how like, hey, this is what you know, this is why these guys are you know these guys can turn it around at any time, right? He hit nine home runs in May, nine, yeah. right? Like that's considerably more than he hit like for the rest i mean the whole season he had what 16 he had 9 of them in may so there's certainly a big ceiling here he also stole a lot of bases uh for for not really being around that much i mean he his may was was so good that it was it was like a i don't want to say it was a league winner but again 9 home runs 5 stolen bases in the month of may just may mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. insane. So there's clearly still explosive potential here with Trevor Story. Uh, you know, you, you know, I I was looking at the rolling charts yet again. Um, the strikeout rate one actually didn't look as bad as you think, right? Like he he didn't have the same, you know, he has every year he has these big volatile swings in strikeout rate where he'll go from a fifteen game rolling from like 13 up to 40 right. Mm -hmm. Over the course of like half a month, he just starts striking out all the time. He, it was actually a tighter band this time. It just was, it was just elevated. So he was striking out more. you wonder if that's pressing, you wonder what it is. Um, you know, batting average is probably going to stay down, right? That's the biggest thing Coors gave him. He was Mm -hmm. a two ninety hitter for his last three years in Coors. I'm sorry. Uh, three of his last four years in Coors, uh, between 2018 and 2020, Uh, You only hit 251 in 2021. That's closer to a batting average. I would expect Uh, Mm -hmm. the strikeout rate probably should get a little better. It might be worse than it was before, but it should be under 30 somewhere. I like steamers projection there about 26.7%. I actually kind of like the projection overall, right? 23 home runs, 27 or sorry, 17 stolen bases. That sounds about right. Um, You know, I think that's a, that's a good way to hedge that bet. And When you do that, you end up with a guy who, you know, looks to project inside the top eight or nine second baseman. Right. So is, you know, is this early to pick him? Yeah. But the ceiling of course is higher than this. And again, second base is terrible. Mm -hmm. So I can see why people are going out on that limb to, to grab Trevor story and and hope that he does a little better.
0: Yep. And he's going to maintain obviously his second base eligibility throughout this season, but there's a chance that he goes back to shortstop because Xander Bogarts is a free agent. And obviously, if the Bo Sox don't sign him, looks like Christian Arroyo would take over at second and Story would play at his natural position, which is shortstop. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Tommy Edmond is the sixth second baseman coming off the board in NFBC drafts. Uh, Uh, roster resource has him playing shortstop this season with Brendan Donovan taking over at second base full time we'll see what happens there but uh, what could you say about Tommy Edmund pretty much consistent production had uh, 30 stolen bases in the 2021 season 32 stolen bases in 2022 Um, you know and, and the batting average almost identical you know just a little over 260 over the past couple of seasons you know moderate power you know maybe you know lower teens uh but the question is is i think in terms of his stolen base production um if he's going to continue to bat leadoff batted leadoff in 87 games last season and batted ninth in 31 games so make a note of that
1: yeah that that was very i mean i thought that was that was kind of interesting the way that that panned out and 21 of his steals come from those 87 games batting first, right? Those 31 Mm -hmm. games where he batted ninth, he only had two steals, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not going to cut it, right? So almost all the steals come from batting first or second, which makes a lot of sense. That's just kind of how stolen bases play out more opportunities, things like that. Um, So he, he, he is a valuable player and he is exactly what he looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are any surprises with Tommy Edmund. He did actually have a really bad month of July. So I could see someone maybe saying there's more to it, but he needs to lead off. I wonder if Lars Newt on this team is going to get more chances to lead off. Uh, you know, in theory, Edmund is a switch hitter, but he doesn't really walk. He's more of a football and play kind of guy, which is fine. But that OBP ends up staying quite low. So there are teams that, you know, that prefer a higher OBP type of player to, to set the table. Lars Newt bar fits that bill much better than Edmund does. Uh, Edmond's more of a classic leadoff guy where he puts the ball in play and then runs. Uh, he slugged 400, which is better than he had slugged in either of the previous two seasons. So there's that too. This is a guy who he'll score you a bunch of runs. He should steal some decent bases. He's not going to give you much, you know, barely double digit power. Yeah. Uh, you know, 60 RBI would be a lot, right, uh, for him. Good, you know, decent batting average, not great. It's a safe play. I don't love it in a lot of the, the 12 by 12, like, category leagues, right? Not Roto, but head-to-head categories, simply because I tend to punt stolen bases quite a lot. So I just don't need what Edmund brings to the table. But he will be eligible at uh, second, short, and third in Yahoo leagues, I believe, So there's a little bit of value there. He's definitely second and short everywhere else. He played, you know, almost all of his games, but you know, he had almost all of his starts between those two positions. So we'll see how it goes, but Mm -hmm. I'm not, he's not, he's not exciting. He is a guy who, especially in NFBC gets bumped because of the steals.
0: Why don't we take a quick break right here? And uh, when we come back, We'll continue our examination of the second-base position. We'll pick it up with Andres Jimenez right after this. And we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina, Scott Chu, breaking down the second-base fantasy baseball position. And we're going to pick it up right now with Andres Jimenez. Had his breakout season uh, for the Cleveland franchise uh, 82 ADP 57 112 min max uh, batted 297 but expected batting average was 257 2020 potential uh, had 17 home runs and 20 stolen bases steamer has him projected for 19 homers and 17 stolen bases one thing I saw that was a little surprising to me I had trouble Getting around on four seam fastballs over the past couple of seasons, uh, had a, a 227 batting average against uh, four seam fastballs last season. And in 2021, I think he had a 215 batting average against four seamers. So that's, that was kind of odd. But, uh, you know, potential for a 2020 season at uh, Andres Jimenez.
1: Yeah, at least he's hitting the hard stuff. Right? Yeah. You know, and by hard stuff, I mean the breaking balls, uh, which yes, are just a lot harder to make contact with. He hit two ninety seven. There's a really, really good hit tool here. Um, the the power, you know, seventeen home runs is probably close to the peak. I'm not sure I see a whole lot more power here. He just doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't try yeah, to. Not a thirty really home
0: guy. I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he's he's just not someone that tries to hit the the ball that hard. If he hits, if he gets to twenty twenty, 20 it's because he got exactly twenty home runs. Right. So, I mean. The batting average, I think, I don't know why, you know, Steamer projects him at 267. I guess I understand why they're doing that. The expected batting average was considerably lower. It was at 257. But remember that expected batting average doesn't take into account where the ball gets hit. And this guy sprays the ball all over the field. He hits a lot of stuff right back up at the middle. 35.8% of his hits went right back up the middle. That's a good way to get hits. So, you know, he sprays the ball everywhere. I like that he had more barrels. Not a ton of barrels, but more barrels. Right. That's how he's going to get you know that really that launch angle, that eleven point seven percent launch angle. That's how he gets the most out of this sub ninety average EV. Right. That's just yeah. how he does it because mm-hmm. he hits a lot of line drives. Uh, it's sort of like the it's sort of like the best fantasy version of like a Luis Arias. Right. Double the home runs, double the steals, and. Uh, you know, good batting average because of the way he sprays the ball. I think his batting average should be closer to 280 than 270. I think, you know, the OBP will be fine. He only walks at an average rate, but there's good power. There's good speed. He's eligible at second. He's eligible at short in Yahoo, but not elsewhere. He's, I mean, he's a good player. He's, I mean, I, he moved up my rankings quite a bit throughout the season. Uh, This, this is a safe pick and we're getting towards the end of those here at second Mm -hmm. base.
0: Yeah. Uh, Next uh, player we'll talk about, and the eighth second baseman coming off the board in NFPC drafts, Gleyber Torres, uh, 127 ADP, very streaky, lots of uh, peaks and valleys in his season uh, for 2022. And I remember you talking about it when you were doing the hitters list, right? Uh, Batted 180 in August, batted 323 with a 962 OPS in September. That's a good description of, of how just streaky he was right was dealing with a wrist injury in the middle of the season you got to wonder if that continued to bother him was maybe that was an underlying issue but uh really overall i mean you know we've talked about this again he's he's not going to hit those 38 home runs that he had in in 2019 but you know is, is uh 2022 uh average exit velocity, hard hit rate and barrel rate were all career high. So I guess that's something to be optimistic about. And his launch angle is close to a career high. But uh another interesting thing is that uh just seems to be a guy that uh is going to steal a few bases for you. Past couple of seasons has had double digit steals, fourteen in twenty twenty one and ten last season.
1: Yeah, I mean again, first let's let's point out there's a fifty ADP pick gap between Jimenez and Torres. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that is a cliff, right? I mean, people just stop caring about second base at that point. And it's not like everyone's got one, right? This is the eighth one off the board. So, uh, that, that is kind of interesting to me. I, his, his streakiness made him difficult to deal with in, in leagues, right? Because something was always off, right? Like power, like power was there, but then he didn't steal any bases and then he stole some like his his month of june was pretty good he had four steals three stolen bases and a 244 average right like something always had to give for for glaber torres he never had like all those tools working to me if you get 90% of what glaber torres gave you last season which is just over 20 home runs hopefully double digit steals and 70 to 80 runs 70 to 80 rbi right and and that 250 to 260 batting average if you get that this is a worthwhile pick, and it's something you should be very happy with, right? Now, Steamer actually projects him to be the number 5 second baseman, though a lot of that is going to come from just volume and okay contributions across the board, right? He ends up, you know, Steamer projects him to be a positive in just about everything except for RBI, where they have him as like neutral. Uh, and again, they are projecting him to to do better, but that's because they're often projecting him to do better than last season. I'm not sure I see that. So, you know, do I think that there's, I don't think he's risky in much in that he can be a little bit of a headache with the streakiness and overall the results are underwhelming, but at second base underwhelming is fine. I -hmm. probably won't be drafting him because if I don't get one of the top couple guys, I'm probably just waiting because I don't see Glaber Torres all that much better than guys that are going, you know, considerably later, right? Like how much better is he really than? Brandon Drury 60 picks later right how much better is he really than Luis Arias uh in terms of overall value who goes at pick like 197 right mm. um you know there's there's just there's other guys there right or I'm gonna look at other needs right why not just wait and if I wait until you know wait until later because I'm like oh well I'm gonna need stolen bases anyway I'll just grab John birdie later right yeah. I mean it's it's just not it's not that exciting uh to draft to draft Glaber Torres, and I think you're going to start seeing that. Like, why not wait even two rounds in an NFBC draft later and, you know, take a gamble on a Max Muncie or a Brandon Lau who can be a difference maker? Because that'll never be Glaber Torres.
0: Yeah. We're going to get to those guys now, like uh, Jorge Polanco's next. Uh, Big-time regression after a a 2021 career season. And, uh, you know, he had some health issues as well. Uh, early season back issue, late season knee injury. It ended his season early, uh, only able to play 104 games. Uh, if you're looking for positives, plate discipline improved, had a, a 14.4% walk rate. Uh, his O swing rate dropped below league average at uh, 28.4%. Uh, Steamer thinks he's going to bounce back. What do you think there, Scott?
1: I mean, why not? I I was surprised <laughs> to see him do so poorly. He finishes the twenty seventh second baseman last season in Yahoo leagues because I'm I mean, that's going to add in some guys who maybe weren't second base eligible in some leagues. But I I was surprised to see it. I wonder how much the injury uh, you know kind of came in. I was stunned at the walk rate. Right, mm. doubled his walk rate. So I wonder if some of that was just him knowing he can't put the same sting on the ball that he did before Actually
0: with a back injury. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think the biggest thing I'd try to call out here is is number one, that 2021 season is probably, I mean, this is not going out on a limb to say it's peak season, right? I was surprised he got double-digit steals that year. 33 home runs is a whole lot more than I thought he'd ever hit in a single season. If you want to see a, something more realistic as a 90th percentile finish, go look at 2019. He had 22 home runs, but scored 107 runs. Right. I don't think the twins offense is quite that good, but this could be a guy who he's probably more like a I mean, I to me he's he's not that different from Glaber Torres in terms of what the overall production could look like, except maybe with a higher ceiling for me, just because I mean maybe the steals aren't all there, but I do think there's a better batting average upside with Jorge Polanco. But again, I mean sort of splitting hairs. I'm I was a little surprised that these guys are going 30, you know, 25, 30 picks apart. Because Mm -hmm. I just don't see that kind of difference between them. Like, you know, it's hard to say, like, why? I mean, why would you go for Gleyber Torres there over Jorge Polanco when they both represent sort of, you know, some risk due to some recent down seasons, but also, you know, very similar overall skill set.
0: Yeah. Sometimes uh, if you you know that a player has a back issue, that kind of scares you because that could, you know, has a habit of reoccurring. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously that uh, you, you talked about it just a couple of seconds ago. You might not be able to sting the ball like you usually do if you have a back issue, you know, and, and get that real, you know, velocity on, on your on your swing. So, uh, you know, that might be might that might be part of it, I guess. But
1: yeah, I uh, mean, just a, a litany of issues for him. I know he, his season yeah. ended due to a bulky left knee. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he just he was hurting all over. So, I mean, you try to you try to give him a little bit of credit for even playing I mean, he didn't play well, but at least he played okay while he was healthy, right? Yeah. Like the batting average stunk, but the OBP was, was decent. He still slugged over 400 with all those injuries. Uh, he, he still hit 16 home runs in about 104 games. That turns into about 20 home runs in a full season. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, not That's just not about what you
0: kind of talked about with his 20, you were just talking about his 2019 season, right? That's right, right around what he was doing there. So, um. It, we we'll monitor his progress, I guess. I mean, I have some recency bias against him because I had him on a couple of my teams. But next guy, Max Muncy, is the 10th second baseman coming off the board in NFBC drafts. And he's second base, third base eligible. You were more optimistic about him coming into last season than I was, but uh, played through uh, the uh, injury that he had started the season hampered by a torn left UCL. And but despite, you know, the injury, uh, his exit velocity, hard hit stats were within range of his career norms. Obviously, you don't love the 196 batting average, but still would hit 21 home runs in 136 games. Uh, some people saying that he's going to benefit from the shift ban. Right. He's a lefty batter pulling the ball just under 50 percent of the time. So we'll see if that helps him out.
1: Yeah, I don't really care about the shift quite as much, uh, partly because he puts a lot of balls in the air, Mm. right? So the shift doesn't really matter when the ball's, unless the ball's on the ground. So he he puts the ball in the air a lot. That makes him a little more shift resistant, but it also kind of gives him a a not-so-great batting average floor, right? Because most fly balls are outs. I mean, really, this is a, I want to say it's a tale of two halves, but that's not what really happened, right? This was a tale of August and September, versus rest of the season. That's really when he starts to look healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, though that that UCL injury, I played it off. He sounded like he was, you know, he he was talking as if he was healthy. It's clear the power was not there. Right. Mm-hmm. These were his slugging, uh, the, the four months leading up to August, he's his slugging was 273, 254, 364, 320. That ain't Max Muncie, right? Those are mm-hmm. bad OBP numbers for Max Muncie. They're worse. Sl- I mean his his OBP was actually better than his slugging. For the first two months of the season, right, and it wasn't that close. So what you see in in August, it's a 554 slug, and in September it's a 449 slug, right? That's because he was back, right? He he was you know he was just stinging the ball again. He was hitting the ball with authority. That version of Max Muncie is still a very valuable player and well worth this risk, right? That to me is where this comes from. So you see Steamer projecting him for 26 home runs. I think that might even be a little short, right? Mm -hmm. Because if he is healthy, he is a 30 home run hitter, right? I mean, that's just what he's got. And that's what he looked like towards the end of last season in August and September, right? I mean, he had seven home runs in August, five home runs in September. He didn't have 12. I mean, his total number of home runs from April through July was nine, right? He hit seven in August and then five more in September. That I mean, that's the kind of that's the kind of player we expected. I think that's the p- kind of player we're going to get. So I'm really I, I have to think this. You know, this ADP is going to change. But you know, we were just talking about Gleyber Torres and, and Jorge Polanco. I probably take Max Muncie over the both of them in in a lot of formats simply because I'd rather have the power, especially because Max Muncy might also be someone who's more likely to slip. And hmm. I should also say. This is the end like this is the cliff to me, right? After this, it gets really ugly. I mean, the next guy we're gonna talk about lost his job and also dealt with health issues. He's been a consistency problem forever. The guy after him. Brandon uh, had, Brandon Lau, right? That's who you talk yeah, about. So so Brandon <laughs> Brandon Lau, I mean, he's going less than 10 picks later at 163. Uh, mm-hmm. not to steal your thunder here, but but I mean he go, lost go, go. his job. He yeah. he he didn't play that well for many parts of the season. Does he have 40 home run power? Sure, but so does Muncie. And Muncie looked a whole lot closer to it last year than Brandon Lau did. And Muncie's eligible at third base. Hmm. Right. So I, I'm not really that interested in Brandon Lau unless he really slips in the draft. Uh Jonathan India is after him at 171. Not interested in him. I just I haven't seen anything what, you know, compared to what he had his rookie year. I just don't think he's that kind of player anymore. I don't think he ever really was. He was just, you know, he had a little bit of a breakout, and that's probably it. And going almost the exact same time as Josh Rojas, and tell me what people are excited about with Josh Rojas. He's a guy who plays because the the Diamondbacks have a young roster, but those guys are they're, those guys are getting ready, right? Yeah. I mean, he stole twenty three bases last year. I think that's more than he'll ever steal because he he shouldn't be. I mean, he was batting like at the top of this lineup for most of the season until the end, right? Because more of those young players came in, and then he was batting fifth or sixth. That kills his value because it was pretty much all steals. He can hit barely 10 home runs. I'd be stunned if he gets to the 15 stolen bases that steamer projects and he, he won't slug 400, right? I mean, there's just not that much here. And this is, you know, that's the 13th second baseman. That's a Mm -hmm. starting second baseman. Right. Right. Like that's ugly. That's ugly. And it, it's going to just keep getting worse because you just need so many things to go right for the guys that are going to keep going, like not to just blow through them, but Jonathan India, Josh Rojas, Brandon Lau. I mean, Lau is the guy I want of those three because the ceiling is a top five second baseman, right? 2019. That's what he, I mean, 2019, 2021, 2020, he had
0: 39 yeah. home runs. So you, yeah, yeah. you got to wonder if some of that power comes back, but like you said, has had a history of not being productive against left-handed pitching and he, Ray started sitting him against some lefties mm-hmm. last year and your, your guy, Isak Perez, uh, right. He could take some playing time away from him.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: As well too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm stunned. Steamer's projecting such a great fit. I mean, such a good year for him. They, they've got 27 home runs, right? This guy played 65 games last year. Uh, he played, he's played one year where, you know, he's got two seasons where he's played half of a year right? He did it in 2020 and he did well. He did it in 2021 and he did excellent, right? 2019 was a good year and that he hit 17 home runs, had a 127 WRC plus, but he only played 82 games. Last season, he played 65 games, right? Steamer's projecting 134. That's where that projection is, You know, kind of giving him all that value. I just don't see how that happens, Mm. right? Brandon Loud did not finish as a top 32nd baseman in Yahoo last year. And yeah, I like let that sink in. Yeah, like not like so many. I mean, a lot of guys qualify, but he just wasn't there. In fact, I don't even think he was a top 60 because of how little he played. Yeah. Right. Uh, and of course, he plays for the one team that just doesn't have patience and will absolutely take him out and plug someone else in. Mm-hmm. The, the Rays will absolutely platoon you if you think it if they think it gives them any kind of advantage. And that's I mean, that's what I expect to happen right? So I'm not at all excited about Brandon Lau, but again, especially in a 12 teamer, if I had to pick between Lau, India, Rojas, I don't want these safe floor guys. I want to, I want to swing for the fences at this point, right? If I'm taking the last, you know, if I'm going to have the worst second base starter, then I want the one who has the potential to be a top five or six. If he plays all year and looks anything like that 2021 version, I'm not expecting that, but I certainly like him more than the rest, but I, you know, obviously not not nearly as much as Max Muncie, who I think has the similar upside, but a much safer floor and a more realistic path to that upside.
0: Right, uh, another guy uh, that uh, finishes our top fifteen. Whit Merrifield really took a a big downturn last season, and got traded from the Royals to the Blue Jays and, and played even worse, right? I mean, uh, had a led the league with 40 stolen bases in 2021, only had a total of 16 last year. Uh, so basically it, his overall batting average last season was 250. Uh, this guy used to pencil him in for 290 plus, right? So his batting average in 2020 was 282. Then it went down to 277. And like I said, last season, 250. The power is basically uh not there anymore i mean he, he used to be like a 15 plus home run guy and now he's just barely making double digits i mean if you don't like you know the the rojas's and the india and i mean are you you you're shying away from merrifield as well no
1: so a, a couple weird things i too also thought he was worse as a blue jay but he actually wasn't he was he was better he he was bad when he initially joined the Blue Jays, but mm. he ended up having a really good september uh he hit four home runs that month hit three thirty eight for a batting average his second half batting average was two seventy one as a blue jay he hit five home runs in forty four games, which is more than he was doing otherwise mm-hmm. and he hit two eighty one uh with a four forty six slug Here's the problem one stolen base right. Uh right. So his steals were, were largely a function of being a Royal and hitting near the top of a Royals lineup who steal. I mean, that team steals tons of bases. It's the only yes. way they can score runs. Uh But you know, Bobby Witt took over that role,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Uh They just didn't try to send Whit Merrifield. And when they did, he got caught, right? So Whit Merrifield got caught in both of his last two attempts. It was the only two attempts he had in September. Um, there were, there were very little, few counting stats to speak of. For the last two games of the season, he hit first, or in a double header, he hit first and fourth. That would be interesting if I thought he'd be anywhere near the top of that lineup. But the rest of the time, he was, I mean, there were lots of times as a Royal, or I'm sorry, as a, as a Blue Jay that he was hitting eighth, ninth, seventh, eighth, ninth. That, that's just not a place for him to provide any kind of fantasy value. I think the the steals projection, unless he's somewhere close to the top of that lineup has to come way, way down. Mm -hmm. Right. And and guys, you know,
0: 18. Yep.
1: Yeah. He's 33. He's going to be 34. When the season starts, guys Mm -hmm. don't, uh, go up in stolen bases at that age, right? Mm -hmm. That's just not how that works. Not to be ageist or anything, but you're just not as fast, right? It's one of the first two, you know, it's one of the first skills that goes away. And so I think he could be a I mean, honestly, he looks to me more like an empty batting average kind of guy. Hmm. Uh, so why he's being taken ahead of other guys like a Luis Arias or Jeff McNeil makes no sense to me because his power is not mu- that much different and it's not like he's eligible at a bunch of other cool positions. I just don't see where these steals are going to come from, particularly because the the Blue Jays don't steal bases anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. This just isn't a team that that needs to do that. Uh, I'm gonna check real quick here. They finished. Uh yeah, bottom half of the league, 21st in the league in stolen bases last season with 67. Just, you know, by contrast, the Royals were seventh. They had 104. So almost 40 more stolen bases on that team because that's what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Toronto just doesn't need to do that. And with Merrifield wasn't that good at it as a Blue Jay. Anyway right. so i'm I'm not really sure how excited to be, you know because the speed's gone, and that was supposed to be the safe tool
0: so as we close out the show, um I'm gonna throw two names out at you, and you mentioned one of them, Brandon Drury, who's eligible at first, second, and third. He's a free agent, and you've got d j. LeMahieu also eligible at first, second, and third um, his last season's numbers were. Uh, weren't as good as he's uh, shown in the past, had some injuries that he was dealing with. But who would you prefer to have on your fantasy team of the two, uh, the Brandon Drury or D.J. LeMahieu?
1: Drury? Uh, and that's because there's power upside there. I just know. don't see it with Lemayhew. I think Lemayhew is going right after Luis Arias and Jeff McNeil, who I actually, I like, I'd probably rather have both of those guys over Drury or Lemayhew because a lot of my team builds can use that batting average and run scoring a lot more than they could use, you know, uh, power risk or whatever DJ LeMahieu is supposed to be. But uh, I, DJ Lemehu's floor is so low. It is so so low, and and Drury at least I think he's got more power, and he's eligible at multiple positions. He's he's more useful. I mean, again, Lemayhu also eligible at those other positions, but I yeah, just don't see how. I, I just don't see how LeMahieu brings that. Like, I, I just don't see where that value is anymore. Right? Like, what? I like think the, the power- only way that I
0: would, and I agree with you that Drury is the better power source. And I think I would take him as well. I'm also interested to see where he goes, where he signs, because he really had a big drop off when he went uh, and played for the Padres. Um, but as I think did that,
1: everyone else who went to the Padres,
0: yeah, what the heck is going on with the Padres, right? What, what's what's is something wrong with the drinking I, water there? Wonder, do they <laughs> haze
1: them? I don't know what was going on.
0: <laughs> but uh, I think that. Uh, DJ Lemayhu might have the higher floor when it comes to batting average. I, I still well, think the guy yeah. could bat, you know, two seventy, two eighty, and and uh, Drury is just not that type yeah. of hitter.
1: Yeah, to me, Lemayhu is a poor man's Luis Arrias and Jeff McNeil. The problem is he's going right next to them, mm. right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, those those three guys, Arias, McNeil, Lemayhu. Those are, I mean, not so much Lemayhu because I, I his his batting average ceiling isn't nearly as high to me anymore. And the, the power is not good. But to me, if you don't hit on maybe one of the, t- if you don't get someone like a Andres Jimenez, you know, that's probably the last second baseman I want. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'll take, you know, I'll either go with a safe play. If my team wants someone safe, like a Luis Arias or Jeff McNeil, or um I'll wait, just, you know, I'll wait a bit longer, which right now is about 70 picks. Uh, and if I need power, I'll take Max Muncy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? But I there's just no, I just don't see any value in drafting Jonathan India, Josh Rojas, Jake Cronenworth, Whit Merrifield, to some extent, Brandon Drury, Tyro Estrada, Vaughn Grissom. We talked about him before. The strikeout rate got worse and worse and worse as the year went on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not sure, you know, he's there's also big playing time questions there, depending on what happens with Dansby Swanson, right? I don't, I just don't see it at that point, you know, just go for those batting average guys, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have, if you don't McNeil. get, yeah, Jeff McNeil and Luis Arias, who are going much, mm-hmm. much later, they'll be available at the end of a lot of drafts. They are safe plays. Are they league winners? Not necessarily, but they're both got, I mean, how surprising would it be for both of them to win batting titles next year? Right. Mm-hmm. Luis Arias for the AL McNeil for the NL, right? Could happen. <laughs> I mean, well, right. Arias just did right mm-hmm. <laughs> McDeal. I, I'm pretty sure McNeil was pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that to me is what you end up doing. Uh, and then of course, very, very late talked about this on the in the deep podcast. Go ahead and listen to it. I think a guy who, uh, has, you know, really, really late when you need that last bench spot in a deeper league, um, really look at Isak Paredes. I think that there's, he's eligible at first, second, and third as well. Uh, obviously not in the same tier as these other guys. He's going going at pick 400 right now, but there's real power here. And I'm telling you, I like that hit tool. I don't think he's a 220 hitter. I think he should hit closer to 240, 250 at least, and keep that power. So I think there's definitely some value there.
0: I would look at Luis Garcia, too, from the uh, Nationals. Yeah, Uh, that's a good call. Yeah, decent average. Know moderate, moderate power, maybe a few steals, but you know, from where you're getting them, I mean, 335 ADP, right? Uh, what about Brendan Rogers? Uh, he said, yeah. oh man, you look at his April, right? 078 batting average, look at his September, 183. But in the middle, he was pretty darn good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some value there in deeper leagues, right? Nothing yeah. exciting. Again, another guy with value in, in very deep leagues. The the poor, poor man's uh, Jeff McNeil, Luis mm-hmm. Reyes, David Fletcher. David Fletcher missed a lot of last season because he was hurt. Um, he's going to pick 557 in draft champions. I think there's a little value there or maybe like a, an empty batting average of a Nick Madrigal. Right, uh, right. For for the for the Cubs. John um,
0: Birdie, forty-one steals. I yep, think it's gonna yeah. be I think but I think it's gonna be hard to replicate. First of all, you, oh, don't, have no Matting- you don't have Mattingly you don't have there, right? So you don't know what the uh, you know the new strategy is gonna be if they're just gonna let him run wild as well. Yeah. <laughs> he needed
1: a lot of injuries to get up there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I if I have to mention anyone else late, Nick Gordon, another guy mm-hmm. who I think could have some value with some power and speed for the twins. Mm-hmm. I think he could play a bit. And uh Oh man, there was, there was
0: Are we are we done with Kettle Marte? I think we are, right?
1: Kettle Marte. I mean, he it's it's a weird, it's a weird, like safe floor, I guess. Mm. But what for? Right. Like what why? At this point, you're not you shouldn't be shooting for floor. Mm-hmm. Right? At that late in the draft. Why you why are you targeting floor, right? If you need power upside and you don't like Isak Prades, I think the other guy to look at who had a surprisingly poor offensive season despite having an amazing defensive season, Jonathan Scope. For the Tigers, mm-hmm. he's second yeah. base eligible. I think that could be a a guy who goes back to hitting 20 to 25 home runs, right? Mm-hmm. Probably not 30 like he did with the Twins because it's just hard to hit 30 home runs in Comerica Park with those big, you know, unless you're really targeting certain parts of the field. But I think he should have a lot better year. So those are the really, really late picks, not 12 team guys or anything like that. But towards the end of a 15 team draft, uh, you're, you're going to want.
0: Bryson Stock came on late last season. Yeah, he was uh, kind of up
1: and down all year. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. again, an empty batting average sort of sort of guy. A little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, mostly contact ability. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not crazy about it, but it's out there. And then, of course, the Reds picked up Kevin Newman, Newman! who is a player in a similar mold. Mostly batting average, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. But uh, I think he's going to start for the Reds, so there's some playing time there. And then, if you need the stolen base upside, there's one guy that late in the draft, and it's Vidal Bruhan, who has superfluous speed, can't really seem to do anything else right, but maybe the <laughs> Rays find a way to tap into that speed more often. I think there's some value there, but that's really it. You notice we didn't talk about Brendan Donovan uh, because I don't think we should have. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, just, there's just not a lot of not a lot of value there. He was he kind of peaked for a month or two, uh, mm-hmm. and then power you know power speed a little earlier uh, than we've been talking about Christopher Morel. He's got some pop and speed. I think the Cubs need him to play. Uh, He'll mostly be in the outfield probably unless Madrigal gets hurt again, which isn't necessarily out of the ballpark. I'm also saying don't take a stab at Gavin Lux again. I just don't. I I think that what we've seen is what we're going to get. He was once a top five overall prospect. That shine is off and it's not because of one bad season. It's because of a lot of really weak seasons.
0: Yeah. I uh, held on to Brandon Donovan a little too long in one of my leagues last, last year. Uh, so that's a good call. But he will be the uh, Cardinals every day starting a ba- uh, second baseman, though. So, uh, But uh, I guess I'm with you. Uh, like I said, I uh, got burned a little bit late in the season from him. But all right. So I guess the... Scott, I guess that that does it, right? That slams the lid on on things for this episode. And uh, next time we get together, uh, what are we doing? Shortstop? Might as well go around the diamond, right? Yeah, uh, but
1: let's talk. Let's talk about the, the position with all the depth.
0: Yes, right. Yes, like, yes. Let's
1: let's go talk about a position with fun players.
0: There you go. There you go. Follow that guy. His name is Scott Chu At if the Chew fits, you can follow me. I'm at Joe Galena. What are you doing today, Scott? Uh, curling? What's the story?
1: No, no, curling's off for for a little longer. We take a we take a bit of a holiday break here. So I've got one more Thanksgiving,
0: ah, one more okay. left. Very good. Hey, I'm I'm gonna probably be eating uh, Thanksgiving leftovers again today, and then we're gonna just gonna put it to the side and that's it. That's it. Uh, move on, right? So, a hey, uh, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast content from. Uh, leave us a nice review if you don't mind and as always we hope that all of your fantasies become realities and we'll see you next time